heard about two young men that were having a cup of coffee one day. They were doing what we do. They're catching up, just remembering things. And finally, one of them said, let me ask you a question. If you had the choice between world peace and receiving $10 billion, what would you choose? Well, the other fellow immediately took out his phone and started typing. The first fellow was a little confused by that. He says, what are you doing? He says, I'm Googling to see what colors a new Ferrari comes in. <laughs> you know, that's probably not too far from the truth, actually. So what is peace? We talked about it a lot today. What is it? You might have a definition, and of course there are lots of definitions out there. But if you look at experience, the human race does not have much experience with peace. The International Law Society of International Law in London states that in the last 4,000 years, there have been only 268 years of peace. That's not very good. And in fact, in the last three centuries, there have been 287 wars just in Europe alone. 287 wars in 300 years in Europe. Of course, we're watching one unfold right now in Ukraine. We hunger for peace. I do. I hope you do. In fact, we're so bent on peaceful living that we buy devices that make peaceful sounds for us. You know those devices you put beside your bed that creates rain sounds or wind or waves on the beach. We infuse our air with oils and dab our foreheads so that we can have peace and tranquility. We sing, let there be peace on earth. We're blessed by the benediction. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding. If you remember, we even inscribe it on our tombstones. Rest in peace. I hope death is not the only way we can achieve peace. Scripture talks about peace over and over again. It is a hope, it is a goal, and it says that it is a gift from God. But still, if we're honest, we have to admit that peace is often elusive. We have a hard time finding peace, living peacefully. But folks, it is essential. Because the antithesis of peace, of course, can be conflict or stress. Stress, well, that erodes peace quickly. Stress can destroy us if it comes in too much. Long-term stress can cause mental health problems, cardiovascular disease, obesity and other eating disorders, skin and hair problems, intestinal problems. Well, the list goes on and on and on. Stress can kill you. Stress, the lack of peace, can hurt or destroy a relationship. A workplace can destroy a church. Which is why Paul writes in Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's something formidable, life-giving about God's peace. There is a real benefit to the peace that God offers us. The psalmist knew this. In Psalm 4, verse 8, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. In other words, we find that the closer we draw to God, 
the more God's gift of peace becomes understood and helps us. That is, knowing how much God loves us brings us peace. And when we're at peace, our whole outlook changes. Striving back from Lake Junaluska on Friday. We did it in one day. It's an 11 and a half hour drive. Of course, you know, long drives, a lot of people do that. But remember, these are the interstates of summer 2022, when everybody and their brother is on the road. When we have these horrific summer afternoon thunderstorms. Well, that could be a stressful time. But I was determined not to stress out and just keep the peace. After all, I knew I was going to be preaching about it on Sunday. I thought a good time to put it into practice. We made it safely. I didn't feel stressed out. I was tired. But that's normal for that. But it seemed to be an easier trip. And I think, first of all, it had to do with my choice to have an attitude. When we're at peace, our whole outlook changes. We read in Romans 5, beginning verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now through him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of the Lord. But not only that, Paul writes, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. Hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Here's what Paul just said to us in a remarkable way. God has made peace with us. Did you hear me say earlier that peace is a choice, a gift? And like any gift, you can ignore it or you can accept it. But God has chosen to be at peace with us. So if we have faith in that peace, no matter what we face, Paul tells us, we can always have hope. Folks, peace is a remarkable gift if we choose to accept it and to live it. It does no good if we don't accept it, if we don't choose to live it. So peace is a gift and peace is a choice. Lucinda Norman wrote about a time at the shopping mall. People, as sometimes happened, had been pushing and elbowing and cutting in front of her all day long. It was one of those days that everybody was out shopping. And then came that 10-minute extra 10% off special. It got even more frenetic. One woman, she said, grabbed a lace tablecloth from her hands, looked her in the eye defiantly and said, Mime. Lucinda said, I yanked it back and I won. But by 4 p.m., her mood was belligerent. She met some friends at a mall restaurant, flagged down a server, and she barked, I need some hot tea now. The waitress looked back at her and said, I'm not your server, wait your turn. And Lucinda responded, Lady, I've been waiting my turn all day. I need that tea right now. The waitress ignored her. But then a few moments later, a young man came to her table and said, I'm Rob. I'm your waiter. After he took their orders, Lucinda watched Rob as he helped the rude waitress with her trays. 
He greeted other customers and staff. He always had a smile on his face. In the midst of all this chaos, hurried customers, he had this polite, unhurried atmosphere of calm, of peace. He came over in a little bit to refill her tea, and she noticed that he had a silver ring on his finger. It was an interconnected series of letters that spelled Jesus. She said, from that moment, my attitude changed because his example reminded me of the peace that Christ came to bring. And she said, for the rest of the day, I opened doors for others. I let them get in the line in front of me. I greeted them. I maintained an attitude of peace. Peace is a choice. Certainly, it is God's gift to us, but we choose to accept it or reject it, to live that way, to live with that stress and that adversity, that conflict. We are reminded that God came to bring us hope, to bring us salvation. And in that salvation, in that relationship, we find peace, which is why we've been intentional about calling for peace for encouraging peace. So in the next few weeks, you're going to see this peace pole placed out on our front lawn near our flagpole. Nikki shared well what the flagpole, what this peace pole represents. It is an international symbol of hope, calling for peace. I was struck that over a quarter of a million different groups, families, churches, Different businesses have placed the peace pole out for everyone to see with all these languages saying we're all called by God to that same place, a place of peace. It is there to remind us to think, to speak, to act in the spirit of peace and harmony. Our peace pole is a reflection of our faith that we follow the Prince of Peace that we join the angels in proclaiming peace on earth. Of course, having a pole encouraging peace will not simply bring about peace. You know that. Each of us has to decide if we'll make that commitment. This is the reminder. But you and I are the ones who decide if we're going to live in peace. The Bible tells us to do so. Paul, in writing to the church in Rome in the 12th chapter, said, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That condition, if it is possible, acknowledges that peacemaking is often very hard. But we need to be reminded of that God-given goal. And folks, peace is not simply the absence of conflict. Scripture reminds us that peace... And the biblical parlance is known as shalom, is far more. I love the way Eugene Peterson put it. Shalom, peace, is one of the richest words in the Bible. But you can no more define it by looking in the dictionary, that is, the definition of peace, than you can define a person by his or her social security number. He goes on to say, shalom gathers all the aspects of wholeness that result from God's will being completed in us. It is the work of God that, when complete, 
releases streams of living water in us, pulsates with eternal life. For every time Jesus healed, forgave, or called someone, we have a demonstration of shalom. There is far too much hurt and brokenness and darkness in our world. We need peace. But is it possible? I mean, lofty ideas. Peace in our world. I think there are examples all around us. There are realities of how it can happen. In their book, Mending the Divides, John Huckins and Jer Swaggart describe a Japanese pottery tradition. This tradition articulates the power of peace and reconciliation. When we speak of peace, we call to mind this pottery tradition called kintsugi. This is a technique where a clay vessel, a perfectly good clay pot, is broken, deliberately broken. But then it is put back together, not in its original form. Instead, the restoration process involves the use of pure gold to mend the divides and heal the fissures. That broken vessel is put back together in such a way that it is stronger even though it's not its original form. Instead, the restoration process involves putting it back together with scars and all, telling that beautiful story of healing and restoration after the painful story of destruction. It is another symbol of peace and restoration, just as this pole is. But that's our goal, to be part of healing in our community, recognizing that there's brokenness all around us, to be part of healing in our nation and in our world. I am not going to go down that road that adds to the division, the disunity, the hatred, the hurt, the diatribe, the vitriol. Pick a word. I choose not to go that way. I choose to follow the Prince of Peace. And each one of us has to decide who we choose to follow. I've watched families tear themselves apart over this. I've watched churches rupture, implode. I've watched our nation struggle. And we know better. Those of us who follow Jesus Christ know better. For there is, in, there is unity in that relationship. We are called to live in such a way that peace is found in our relationship with him first. I am not your model of peace. This pole is not your model. Jesus Christ is. But in that relationship, then we find that we're able to share peace with others, even as it is alive in us. I recognize that we're simply putting a wooden pole with some various languages out on the front lawn of the church. But don't be fooled. God's plan is for our relationship with him, for our relationship with others, for our relationship with ourselves to be at peace. So I pray that our peace pole will be a reminder of that vision every time we see it. And when you find yourself drifting, get in the car and come on up here. Take a few moments to sit here with this pole to look at what it reflects, a vision that peace may prevail 
in all the earth. Let's pray. Lord, help us. For sometimes we are just torn apart, all upset, disconcerted. Pull us back together, mend us with the beauty of your grace. Make us stronger in those weak places. Give us your peace that goes beyond all understanding. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you decide to walk this road of peace, I'll tell you it is a harder road. Our natural instinct sometimes is simply to react, to retrade anger with anger. Scripture calls us to return anger with love. For in so doing, it is like heaping burning coals on a person's head. It convicts. It changes. If you decide to walk this road of peace, it will be a struggle. But that's where the world has changed, because that's where evidence is shown of the love of Christ. Jesus did not return that anger with anger. But from the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive us, because he wanted us to know his peace. Go now in peace and go in love. Amen.